feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, we're reviewing the MCU's Eternals, and uh, I gotta say, you know, right up front, I have no energy for this one. <laughs> I have no Dude, enthusiasm. I mean, anyone who listens knows how much of an MCU fan I am. And I can barely muster the energy uh, to talk about this movie. It's so unfortunate. I mean, uh, I hate to start it off on such a negative note, but like it's super, super, super disappointing because like I, this is the first MCU movie in a long time where I'm either completely apathetic or i'm even borderline do not like it <laughs> and and they've had a pretty good you know batting average for 10 plus years 25 plus movies now um coming in with chloe Zhao just winning uh you know best picture for nomadland best director, director yep. as well um you know uh loved that she was shooting on location and that the cinematography looked like it was going to be gorgeous and that would be unlike any mcu movie we ever saw before and, and that her is regular cinematographer true. even though he isn't the cinematographer on this joshua uh no, Jane, yeah, Joshua James uh, Richards yeah. is a camera operator on this as well. So she is still bringing in crew that she has worked with previously uh, since the beginning of her career with, you know, um, songs My Brothers Taught Me and and The Rider and 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 as you mentioned, Nomadland and, and you know, so it, there's this there's this we, there's this excitement in thinking like, OK, this is this is going to be the film that kind of really shakes up the MCU in a way that, you know, we haven't seen before and sort of breaks free of what we have come to know mm -hmm. in, in the formula of these movies. And yeah. I still want Marvel to continue to experiment with that. Agreed, agreed. But I think because of this film's reception so far being so poor, I can see Kevin Feige being like, well, we gave it Stick a shot. To the formula. We're going yeah. back to all green screens yeah. in, you know, in a studio. And that's unfortunate because yeah. I do feel like this is, even though it's a misstep, it's still a step in an interesting direction to at least try to, evolve and expand and do something different even though these characters don't maybe necessarily warrant a nearly three hour film um yeah. i think we're both going to be somewhat more critical and disappointed i'm wearing my martin scorsese marvel shirt because of <laughs> that and any, and any time you. <laughs> any anytime i'm critical of marvel i always put this shirt on and this is a case <laughs> of that but again I love Chloe Zhao. I, I again, if you haven't I seen Marvel, her, her so movies, you think, and I love Chloe Zhao too. So it's just yeah, like her films are so great, and and you know what we normally applaud with her movies as being sort of you know naturalistic yep. and sort of you know getting into a you know marginalized community or a community on the offset and sort of exploring that with a a sense of empathy and understanding yeah human that isn't exploitative too, yeah. this yeah. is so stiff and awkward and yeah. uncomfortable and you have this incredible cast this diverse cast of actors playing these godlike characters and all of them for the most part i don't think you know 
come out unscathed in some way or another. I think, you know, you have someone like Richard Madden who plays Icarus, um, who was amazing in uh, Rocket Man, you know, very charming, very charismatic, um, uh, very vile, but still, you know, you understand why he's so alluring. In this, he is just he's he's a block of wood yeah he's stoic but not in a good way (laughs) no no not at all and then someone like angelina jolie who's playing thena you know we're both mad weary about this movie and she's suffering from mad weary and you're wondering why she took that role because again like that role kind of feels to me like it it would be better suited for an up and coming actor than somebody of of Angelina Jolie's sort of pedigree Stature, and legacy yeah, because yeah. I'm watching it and the whole time I'm thinking like I get why Selma Hayek's in the role that she's in like that feels like you're taking a kind of established actor yeah. who has you know the gravitas to you know bring something to this like I Jolie get why- could have done that role too exactly right? like that, yeah. yeah those two actors feel like they needed to be in sort of those kind of roles where Thena is a character that you're thinking like, Oh, this would have been better suited for somebody that, you know, again, is maybe on, on the brink of breaking out or, or is sort of already there, but maybe not a, a, a megastar. Cause every time you see Jolie, it's kind of distracting. Um, and then there's even the stuff where like, yeah, there is comparisons to make to, um, you know, there there is references to DC, uh, and also being that this is based on you know a Jack Kirby property. You know, you you think of the New Gods as well because he went off and did that for a while, and they're both kind of cosmic and psychedelic in their own way. Yeah. Um, and then when you kind of come back to it again, you're distracted because there are references to Batman and Superman, but they don't necessarily say that they're not. Re- like they don't say that they're movies they just say that that's they're, true they're Good references yeah. which i think is kind of interesting but also i just took that as like it you know the mcu has always been in the real world other than marvel comics existing right so yeah. dc comics to me still exist and even marvel comics might exist but they were those captain america comics and like comics based on the real life avengers but yeah man i I, i'm totally with you i mean you you kind of hit the nail on the head there where um you know i just feel like it starts off really promising everything from you know everyone involved in the movie until even the opening crawl and i will say before we get going uh welcome to my new uh apartment which is uh uh uh, just an absolute disaster right now but it will get better uh i've tried to do my best with a setup which i'm actually kind of digging i got a nice corner desk if you're not on the video version you can go uh see it there it's kind of like eternals you know it's 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 different from the normal formula (laughs) which we have little messy uh, little (laughs) A little awkward, um, but ultimately, you know that there is potential for growth. Yeah. Um, And no spoilers in this review. Uh, We might do a spoiler conversation, maybe on the Conversations channel um, after the film is out for everyone to see. Uh, But we are putting this out before the movie comes out, so we will not spoil any major plot points other than stuff that's in the trailers, obviously. Even the stuff that has already been spoiled by certain (laughs) online publicists and, you know, fans of a certain person. Um, We won't talk about that. We'll do that in But in terms of the context of the film, there's not really, like, other than the post-credit scenes. Yeah, there isn't. (laughs) Like, for a movie that is nearly three hours long, it's longer than Dune, it feels like it accomplishes nothing. Like none of the characters feel explored or interesting in any way. And there are a couple of them that could have been, I think Sprite is a character that reminded me quite a bit of Kirsten Dunst in interview with a vampire, where you have somebody that is trapped 
in a child's body, but has been living for, you know, Thousands centuries years, yeah. and wants to be an adult and experience the things that adults experience, but is always but there's too many characters, that. dude. That's the thing. Like, and you brought up DC and the movie references DC. I'm going to throw out a controversial thing. This reminds me of Justice League where you're dropped in and, you know, even from the villains in this, which are super generic and ugly looking um, to you know, an overstuffed amount of characters where you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Eternals, right? Yeah. And then um, I'm counting on the image that I uh, tweeted out. But like, <laughs> you have ten Eternals, which is why I think you need to have the runtime be two hours and you know almost fifty minutes. Um, but even with that many characters, it's like you're being dropped in the middle of something and you have to get the Wikipedia highlights of everyone over millennia, which you're talking about. And you have to give the histories of each one of these people and what they've been up to and what their part was in all of this and what they've been dealing with throughout time. Why you have to bring them back together. Yeah. So you're kind of just going through the motions and that's when it feels overstuffed and over long. And, and you mentioned feeling awkward and, and and clunky and that's exactly kind of you know how i felt it just felt like you know i love the diverse cast i love the representation um like that stuff is all wonderful but it just does it such a disservice when none of these characters are explored enough i mean obviously Gemma chan is the lead in the movie and i think she's actually pretty good um and it obviously focuses on her the most out of anyone um who who was also in she was also yeah. in captain marvel as a kind of yeah. uh, smaller supporting villain in that even though that's Had not really distracting really, yeah. Yeah. um but what is also distracting thinking about the love triangle that Cersei Gemma Chan's character has with uh, both Richard Madden and uh, Kit Harrington, because Cersei is a character yep. on Game of Thrones, and then you have the two Stark brothers yeah. as well, which is, you it's know, and, and and then Kit Harrington's character is also a, a, a character that is is of importance, but feels completely thrown in here randomly. Yeah, yeah, like it doesn't really, other than a setup for later, which we won't talk about. Like really completely useless like and totally and it can't decide what it wants to be either like the beginning when you're in sort of modern london and sort of everything opening is, crawls dope i forgot yeah. yes the i wish it was an opening scroll yeah. <laughs> uh, but the opening crawl basically reminded me of um highlander or the beast master or like yeah. any 80s fantasy film and that was so exciting. I was like, oh, wow, this is doing something really different. Yeah. Before and then the Marvel as, Studios logo, before anything, you get this long-ass crawl. And I'm like, okay, I'm And in. that crawl feels as like, long as the movie is going <laughs> yeah. to be because, like, you're watching it and you're like, it's explaining everything already to you and, like, in, in not a Star Wars kind of way, but more in, like, like, I was thinking, like, Sean Connery's voice yeah. was going to come in and, like, start sort of, you know, doing the voiceover. But, um, yeah, like, tonally speaking, in terms of its fantasy, elements like the stuff in london is very derivative of harry potter and then sure. once you get into kind of the more, more fantastic beasts <laughs> well that too like the idea quality of like, wise <laughs> yes well cersei can transform things into other yeah, yeah, elements yeah, yeah. and stuff like that and then like each one of these eternals has a special power and then you find out as well that uh the eternals are um i thought for a second there i had to take a moment because i was like is georgie in the room but then i remember you no, moved georgie's not here That's i know sad. you were doing yeah 
I was doing a wand thing. Anyway. Yeah. But then it becomes Clash of the Titans because you have all these characters Ooh, like suiting remake, up though. and sort of, yes, <laughs> or the original 1981 movie. As I much know, as I have I a soft spot for that film, it's not great with Harry Hamlin. Um, and and to your to your point, like you're just, you're watching this movie and all the actors are delivering their dialogue and their performances in this very arch manner that doesn't work with the visual aesthetic of the film at all and it just becomes very tedious like there's this whole story of like okay you know in the beginning there were you know these godlike eternals sent down to earth by the celestial beings ashram specifically who looks amazing but also he's distracting because you just want galactus you just want galactus so badly um and then you have the deviants which are kind of you know their main villains are and the ones that are the most sort of threatening not only to humanity but also to them and the eternals are instructed by the celestial being ashram that uh they cannot interfere with humankind unless the deviants get involved so over the span of seven thousand years you see this you know these ongoing battles between the deviants and the eternals as you know historical moments take place you know we see moments in babylon we see hiroshima and as these characters are sort of reuniting because they've been estranged for a while and and the reason of which their estrangement is due to a tragic sort of moment in one of the one of their sort of core group members which is also very similar to another dc property which is the watchman like it, it has kind of a similar kind of sort of plot device as the watchman to reunite all these characters and sort of the reveals of like, I mean, Icarus is kind of almost like a Dr. Manhattan in a, yeah. in a way. Um, but as they're reuniting these characters, it awkwardly kind of jumps back and forth in time to flashbacks to kind of give you each character's sort of backstory of who they are and what they are, except for uh, Lauren uh, Ridloff's uh, character, who's just like the last person that they kind of get towards. And then they just kind of like, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll just write something really quickly and get her out of the way. And it's again, a real shame because she's so good uh, in, in sound of metal. And again, you know, having somebody um, who is deaf in a mm-hmm. lead role and a prominent role like that is amazing. Brian Tyree Henry is playing a gay character and it's not just the representation is great. That is, not just like you know a director in the back a yeah or in a, the background you know, saying hello to their husband or something quickly and like in star trek or yeah something. yeah yeah no I, I totally agree with you the representation is great but yeah that that kind of paint not even paint by numbers like it's weird because it both feels completely different than the rest of the mcu but then feels weirdly generic um even on top of that which it's is the like President's some people choice would, superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, which is weird because like it's yeah, the no name brand. Thing. Or you go to and a then, dollar store and you're looking for like action figures of your favorite yeah. comic book movies and you find and the generic ripoff versions and of I, them. I really, really love the MCU and I really love Chloe Zhao and I think she is wonderful. And it's just so unfortunate that, you know, those two things just didn't work together. I just don't think her style worked uh in a movie like this like you can see her not necessarily that there was literal fights between like her and kevin feige on how you would do this movie but you can just see the two styles clashing in a way that just 
doesn't really work. Like, are there times where you can see her naturalistic kind of free flowing cinematography as two characters are talking in, in golden hour and like, and having that human emotion, that's ultimately what the movie's about, right? Is like these people have lived here thousands of years. They've seen humanity from the beginning to, you know, Thanos' snap and like, what were they doing? How did they, you know, come to love this, you know, planet and, and, and things like that. And you get these moments between characters that just feel stilted and weird and then you get some of the mcu isms of like the quippy you know dialogue we've had since you know iron man or the avengers and and it all falls flat and you just feel like and then the action sequences on top of that um just it doesn't it never feels like she was super comfortable making this movie and that's so unfortunate like it seemed like you know when she talked about it it was something that she wanted to do and pitched it and like um and really loved these characters, but I don't know what happened in the process there of like, maybe this movie needed to be fucking five hours long. I don't know. But like, even at two well, hours, I think it's 40, the characters. I think yeah. it's or the a characters TV show, themselves. Even. Like, a, like a Disney plus show, maybe give it more time to breathe or something. I don't know. Yeah. But you look and at the these characters, characters themselves are boring the, the way that they're treated <laughs> yeah. is that they're, they're, they're given this status. The costumes of are ugly. Everything iconic. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm not against like, you know, kind of, power rangers s costumes and things like that i think that it can be fun but it just feels like these characters aren't worthy of the treatment that they are getting in this film as much as guardians of the galaxy proved a lot of people wrong including us in terms of what that franchise became yeah. or what it could have been at the time um James Gunn was smart with how he treated the characters because even though he liked them, he still treated them with an irreverence that yeah, wasn't that's exactly just, the word I was going to use. Just kind of like, okay, these characters are great because they're a part of the MCU. Where this time around, it's more precious in both the filmmaking, which you know, a, a lot of people have been joking that oh, it's like how could you say that is you know, this is a Terrence Malick-esque sort of, sort of style. It, there is that. There's the floating really. camera, yeah, the Emmanuel Lubinsky stuff that, you, you know, you, you think of when you maybe think of Terrence Malick. Maybe that's but it. It's not, but it's not kind of a stream of consciousness like a Terrence Malick movie. Like, it's not non-linear or broken in a whispery voiceover. Yes, that would have been more interesting. And that's what I mean by the styles clashing. Yes, it is literally a clash of the titans. You have Chloe Zhao and 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 Kevin Feige clashy clashy with each other, clashy titans. Um, and and you just think to yourself, like, again, I want the MCU to continue to experiment, and I want them to kind of do like, even though this is a misfire and it is one of the worst not like we're like it's not hulk bad but it is no it's not thor dark the, world bad but it's like it's it's close it's, there. <laughs> it's it's in the bottom tier it, yeah it's like my number 25 it's my 26 like 28 or something yeah like, and but at the same time i can see as soon as this movie gets released and it does badly that you know kevin feige is just going to be on lockdown afterwards where it's like you know we're going which is to unfortunate be, i agree with you that like i hope that this misfire doesn't stop them from experimenting and doing even if the experiments don't work that's that's a part of what experimenting is experimenting is failure failure and learning from that in order to 
move and I, on. And if you don't continue to experiment, you don't evolve, you don't change, you just plateau. And as much as I do like the Marvel movies, and I know you love them and you watch them over and over again, there is this sense right now where it's like, okay, they've they're they've been coasting on a very successful formula for yeah. a number of years now where it's like, okay, well, you need to do some stuff that's a little bit different. And even though, again, this movie is disappointing and it doesn't work, I still feel like you need to take those risks. And it's I agree, not just almost... saying the multiverse. The multiverse is yeah. not a risk. It's a that's little, even I, I... that's even but that's even copying Spider-Verse. Like that is just sure, taking something that was I successful would... already. Fair. I mean, but Spider-Verse wasn't as successful as I think even Sony wanted to. But Spider-Verse to, was but... more of a risk at that point. I agree completely. And now people are more comfortable in... with multiverse stuff. I totally agree right. with you. But Marvel then... itself needs to take that extra leap of faith with yeah. bringing I think multiverse is a safe risk. This was a little bit less of a safe risk. It didn't work out. But I ultimately think they played it too safe even in this movie where, right. yeah, it's experimental when it comes to Marvel movies. But is it really? I'm like, no. I feel like it's, it's not. It's like the Joker. It, it, it's like the Joker where like as a DC film, what it's doing is interesting because it's it's different. But when you look at it as just a regular sort of it's still a crime comic thriller. Movie. Well, no, if you just look at it as a movie sure. without the comic book connotation sure it's just a generic nightcrawler I, yeah, I don't i don't i don't disagree with that and um and that's what i mean by not going far enough with this like i feel like you needed it still tried to be too much mcu even that ends up muddling the whole thing and ends up it feeling kind of disjointed and weirdly generic and i think that's kind of like if you were gonna hire someone like chloe Zhao, let her be chloe Zhao, and like she gets a little bit of that but then when you still need the third act cg fest when you still need like you know again way too many characters and i get that the eternals that's what they are but like it's, well, even the it, deviants right you have yeah, one deviants, of them that becomes yeah. literally like cell from dragon ball yeah, z yeah, yeah. who's able to absorb powers and sort of mutate as the, the character progresses and he's voiced he by uh, bill skarsgård so yeah. and you're just thinking pennywise well sure. like because the, the, the voice specifically yeah, it's just none of that works. We talked about their costumes a little bit. With I found, I just found those kind of like you said, Power Rangers, which it could have been cool, but like everyone, it all feels very like muddled and watered down, like and just kind of gray or something. Like all their costumes, and then well, yeah, even like, the look in general just has this overcast look. Like you mentioned, you know, the Magic Hour cinematography. Mm-hmm. Most of this movie just kind of looks like it was always about terrain. And then if you wanted to focus on those human emotions, but then you – I get because of these godlike people have been here for since the beginning of man that you kind of need a world-ending threat. But that is so overdone in these that if you want – you wanted to be more personal. You wanted to be more human in this movie. And then you end up just going to this same generic like – gotta stop this thing before it blows up the earth and then it ends up just being that ticking time bomb of gotta stop this big cg thing before the earth blows up and you're like ah, you could have done something a little bit more interesting here and then like again all the action sequences everyone's got their own powers and like reminded reminds you of x-men a little bit um but 
just not as interesting <laughs> and um you know yeah one's like superman one can control matter one can you know is the tech guy one is this and like mind control mind you control have, uh, i like barry keegan i like you know i like brian tyree henry i love kamel Johnny, but i felt like who we haven't even talked about who kind of feels like, shoehorned in yeah and especially how he's kind of written out of scenes as well like you have this whole sequence where he's become this bollywood superstar and even that kind of sort of moment that we're introduced to him shooting on set should have been this really fun spectacle, you know, of a, of a moment and it doesn't work and it just kind of falls flat. And like, again, he's trying his best with sort of the comedic banter and doing a lot of the heavy lifting and it's appreciated, just, Yeah, but it just kind of doesn't work. And then again, like you can feel like in that third act that there was a lot of sort of rewrites and changes of things. And it's clunky with how it handles all these characters and how, they kind of play out in that final sequence. And you're just thinking to yourself, to your point, I think this would have been a better Disney plus show because you could have fleshed things out even more given, you know, an episode, to 10 episodes. Character. Hey, guess what? There's 10 characters and like, exactly. And like, you could have had an hour long like lost even like where you had character centric episodes with flashbacks. And I feel like, Maybe that's a super expensive show because you have to show, you know, the history of time. But um, hey, they greenlit the Inhumans and that's kind of that what the – It well didn't turn right? out well like, either. But that's kind of what – this is the other comparison as yeah. well. And, and I keep talking about it every time we've talked about the Eternals. But there is a really great sort of breakdown that Elliot Kalin does on the Flophouse uh, on, on the podcast that sort of reviews bad movies. How and he dare kinda you shout out another podcast on he, this Well, podcast. he talks because he's, he's, he used to I work, know. he used to write for the daily show. And yeah. um, he talks about how like the Eternals are characters that nobody cares about. And the only thing that is making people interested in this is that it is has that the Marvel MCU Studios, yeah. sort of banner on it. You know, it's brand naming, uh, uh, you know, and this that will be a test in itself, because if you can get people to go to the theaters still during a pandemic that are interested in the MCU, you know, good for them. But I think that the resounding sort of response to this movie so far without sort of maybe more of a public critique is that this movie was supposed to be the one that kind of really was the beginning of something new. And really and this I is the one critics should, I mean, we, the MCU has been pretty critic proof for a while. And even this, you know, right but now, but Shang-Chi did so much <laughs> in, in what it was trying to convey with the styles of, of filmmaking in Hong mm -hmm. Kong cinema. And I think that that movie pushed more boundaries mm -hmm. than this film thinks it's doing. Yes, and that's exactly. what's unfortunate. Yeah. So they've shown that they're not quite critic proof. Are they audience proof? That's going to be the test, which is, I mean, in 60%, it's still fresh on, I'm not saying Rotten Tomatoes is the be all end all, but it is a good gauge of what, you know, the thumbs up versus thumbs down on things. And, you know, Marvel hasn't had a quote unquote, you know, bad movie since what Thor Dark World is the second worst reviewed uh, in the in the entire MCU. And that this is lower than that right now. And not saying that that's saying anything, because, again, it's all subjective. If you're a big MCU fan, you're going to go see this movie. It doesn't matter what anyone says and you're going to go form your own opinion. Um, but even someone like, again, I you know, I find some enjoyment in, and I didn't hate this movie either. Like it's like, it's, are you going to rewatch this film when I, you do your, yes, sort of I your will because I'm a bi-yearly rewatches. The only, so here's the thing. It depends on if it's a yearly or bi-yearly one, because the yearly ones, 
um, I sometimes skip Thor Dark you curated World and Incredible a bit Hulk. More. And, you know, I think I, I skipped Captain Marvel um, last time and like a couple things that, I, you know, I, I saw recently and I didn't really have a huge desire. Even Ant-Man and the Wasp, I don't care much about. Like none of them are bad movies per se. And I don't know if this is a I don't think this is a bad movie. Um, I just think it's a bit of a misfire. Um, I'm more mixed negative than I am mixed positive. Like to say, you know, I'm trying to think of some positive so we're not just completely negative. But um, I do like some of the cinematography, like we said. But like, well, the the I, look um, of of Ashram, I think um, is is cool. I, oh, I yes. like the look of the Celestials yeah. in general. I think yeah. that they are beautiful looking and very abstract in their visual representation and kind of feel like they literally leapt out of the, the pages of the comic book. Yeah. Um, I think that those things and even just the way that he communicates and he talks. And I really like Gemma Chan a lot actually too. She's like, good. I, she's good. I, it's just one of those things where it's like, I wonder if she would have been better if it was a smaller cast because I feel yeah. like even sometimes Cersei kind of gets lost. Sure. I do shuffle. Yeah. Um, but out of like all the actors, I would say that if anyone I wanted to come back, it would probably be like her Kumail. I'd be open to coming back. And Brian Tyree um, Henry, I think yeah. is, is a, just a good actor in general. And, yeah. and like, even though I don't think his character is great, I just think that like he's trying, he's trying to make it work. And like, you can tell the actors, that are better with blockbusters, but also kind of have some indie cred, mm-hmm. you know, Barry to Keegan. them. Yeah. yeah but um, he's a guy that I didn't like. I didn't like this? Drew in this at no. all. Like I was just kind of bored with the mind control stuff and him kind of living in the Amazon at one point. I just like kind him. Of in this he just cult. looks, he just has oh, an interesting look. He's a, he, I mean, we, we, we've talked about it before, but like, if you haven't seen the killing of a sacred deer, Oh, please watch, watch yeah. that movie. He is incredible in that film. Um, it's yeah. that that is a truly great performance. Here, and, I just kind of felt like, and it's also weird thinking like he's also going to be in the Batman. Um, it, oh, it's right, just, yeah. So yeah, it's just it, a lot of people are wasted. That's what we're kind of yeah. just saying. Like again, the like, whole even cast Gemma is Chan, great. You know, being in two Marvel movies in two different roles, yeah, kind of feels underutilized even in though both, she yeah. is good and then even the people that we've liked in other stuff that aren't great in this um they just they just kind of feel like they don't know like yeah what they're doing you know I like agree. this is yeah, like all the dialogue time. is is weirdly delivered in a very stilted way and like that's because it is clunky dialogue like again when you have to deliver this much much exposition and explain you know we keep saying like the history of man uh of human history of man like, in like, within the marvel realm yes and even and like, the ex- the reasoning for them not getting involved i was just gonna in, bring that up dude it made me so mad because i was just frustrating. like it doesn't make any sense like it really like that's what feels so shoehorned and so you know the clash of those styles of like this it feels like a, a a movie that's not part of the MCU, and they're like, "Ooh, can we make this part of the MCU?" And you're like, "Yeah, it, well, it it, we it becomes like a gray um, zone where it's like it's almost like you know X Men Apocalypse, you know, during that Holocaust sort of yeah. sequence where it's like, okay, so if we're referencing actual historical events. And they weren't involved in Hiroshima or World War II or the Armenian genocide (laughs) or any genocide and sort of intervening. Maybe there's a critique there to be made that, okay, like it's like any God that you pray to that doesn't 
you know, change the outcome and yeah. save you. But at the same time, it does have a little bit of a <clears throat> problematic quality to it where it's like, as much as I like these movies and they're fun to watch, it's like when you start bringing in real life kind of uh, tragedies, tragedies and, yeah. and genocides, it's like, I don't know if you really have. Yeah. That's why the Hiroshima the right thing I didn't love. That. I didn't love the Hiroshima moment. And no. um, I mean, they bring up other, you know, historical, you know, genocides and things like that. Um, and I totally agree with you. And then even in the context of not even real life things, but even in the MCU stuff, it still doesn't even, it feels very kind of like, well, we have to give a piece of dialogue to say why they didn't help when Thanos was here or when he attacked New York or, you know, any of these world ending events that happened so far in the 10 plus years of the MCU. And they kind of just have this throwaway line that they've been using in a lot of the trailers and stuff where it's like, Oh, they, they reference Thanos and the snap and things like that. But that whole thing, the, the reasoning they give just does not, it just feels like, Oh, we, it doesn't feel authentic. Like it doesn't feel like that's what those characters would do. And then the whole movie tries to frame that with these real life things that are happening. And they use that as a reasoning to why they didn't help for Thanos and, and, and things like that. And unless and just, the deviants are involved, yeah, if the deviants if are involved, that's when they, not, I don't think, I don't think it is because it you is, see yeah. scenes like with the beginning of man. And I think they do talk about it the, in trailers and stuff. Yeah. Well, there's the one scene where they first arrive on earth and the deviants attack basically, you know, primitive man and they do and, get involved. Yeah. Um, but deviants, I don't know. Like that just feels like a really, a stupid reason <laughs> like right like these people like it's what's gonna happen if you anyways it doesn't matter it's a that, catch-22 yeah. like it's one of those things where it's like okay well you know uh these characters basically will remain neutral throughout the history of time with the exception of you know these other characters that are just as threatening um or as powerful uh, as the Eternals being involved. And that's when they can basically um, lend their uh, expertise and powers to save humanity. But mm. other than that, we'll leave humanity to their own devices. And there's this conflict of the characters sort of debating whether or not they should be more involved because sometimes mankind and humankind in general can lead to, um, you know, violence and acts of, uh, you know, regret and remorse later on that they can't undo. And if you have someone like Droog, you know, controlling them or trying to settle them down or intervening in some way, maybe you can resolve those conflicts quicker, but at the same time, you won't evolve. Yeah, it, you won't evolve and you won't allow human beings to be human. And that's yeah. what makes us human. And that's what I like trying that. to learn about. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, like that whole message and, and, you know, ultimately that's what the movie is trying to say, but I just, it just doesn't quite work. Um, the last thing I want to touch on is the music, uh, Raman, uh, Jawadi, right. Um, yeah. uh, did the score and I can't remember a single piece of music from it. And <laughs> like, that's so unfortunate. Well, again, too. even the Bollywood like, number, you think like that would be, Oh my God, that falls completely sequence. falls flat too. Right. Yeah. And it just yeah. kind of like, it's like, okay, like cool, I guess. 
Yeah, um, it's so unfortunate. I know I don't have much to say about it, but that's what I wanted to say is that I don't have much to say about it. And I'm not saying that Marvel, I think Marvel has gotten better just as they've gotten better in going into phase three of letting filmmakers kind of, you know, do their thing a little bit. But more. now I'm nervous but that they with, might kind of go back on that yeah, a know, little I bit and they not, might hire but, um, more people like Peyton Reed. That's why I hope this does and, well. <laughs> so, right. Um, even if uh, I, I'm, I, I don't think it's very good. but Because I could see like Eternals 3 or 4 being dude we're not, know, i don't think we're getting another one of these i don't think well maybe. with these characters because i'm sure these characters will i think return. they'll show up in other movies but i do right. not think we will get eternals too you never and, know um, you never know marvel has the ability like i to be honest after the first two thor films i that's honestly fair. thought that, that is was fair. it with that is thor fair too and this does remind me of Thor one and Thor dark world. Like where, where if it you just... get to part three, it could be something like, like right. if you get the right filmmaker to come in and do something that maybe isn't taking these characters too seriously, but also kind of having fun with it. Like this movie is not fun in any way. And I think that that's kind of like the biggest sort of detractor for yeah. a movie that you're expecting within the MCU to have moments of seriousness and gravity. It tries but, to be fun. I think. Yeah. This is literally succeed. the most DC Marvel movie. It, ever is. Made. <laughs> it is. And that, that's what it reminded me of the whole time. And that's why I brought up justice league. I'm like, it really reminded me. It's not as bad as Justice League. Sorry, DC fans and uh, Snyder people. But, but if it was a four-hour um, cut, maybe it would have worked better. Who knows? <laughs> release the Jow cut. Release the Jow cut. Which, again, um, you're not going to get anybody saying that. But if it's a Zack Snyder property, sure. Yeah. You know, you're you're still getting people saying we want a David Ayer cut of, of the Suicide Squad. Or sure. Suicide Squad or whatever. Um, ultimately, I don't think it it quite works. And this is coming from, uh, you know, an admitted MCU fanboy where you're I, disappointing matt i um oh yeah remember that <laughs> god um i was disappointed and i think that sucks and you know it was i think with what if and with um eternals it shows it actually made me well, I falcon think I, and the I, winter soldier too, as well i think is to, to an extent degree, I, yeah. I like that show a lot at times, I think it doesn't stick the landing. Yes, and I agree with that. And and some people will say that about a lot of the Disney Plus shows. But um, for me, I was getting to a point of going, man, do I just love like is am I MCU proof? And I'm am I becoming one of those people that's just gonna love everything they do no matter what? So when I didn't like What If and the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and now Eternals, I almost am like. Okay, I feel good about that. Not good like I wanted to not like this because I want to love everything that they do, but it shows that, you know, okay, they're not perfect. And you can still I, be critical um, of something. I can that still you be like. critical of it, even though I absolutely fucking love the MCU and I cannot wait for Spider Man and I cannot wait for what comes next. And I totally agree with Eric that I hope that, you know, this fumble um, doesn't you know, scare them from being weird or taking risks or doing something different or bringing in really interesting filmmakers and stuff like that. And not just hiring guns for hire. And, um, unless it's James Gunn, James Gunn for hire is different than a gun for hire. Um, but I just, I, I really agree with you. I, I hope as much as I did not really care for this movie, like I really hope that um, you know, they learn from it and they still experiment and do different things. And I just don't think they almost experimented enough here. Like I, I really ultimately think that there were like 
classic, not classic, but just superhero MCU movie fighting with Chloe Zhao movie. And then you'd think those two things together could be interesting, but then it ends up not being because they're just kind of bumping heads through it, the whole thing. And um, it makes for, you know, something that's uh, a bit too overstuffed, a bit too overlong um, and just kind of bland. And that's so unfortunate. And um, I don't know, like I have no desire to rewatch this um right now uh, i think maybe leading into the next big you know event movie or something like that that's probably when i'll do a mcu rewatch i say that now but you know come march of next year i'll probably start a whole rewatch again because i'm just trash um so i don't know i i just it, it to me it is yeah lower tier marvel i appreciate them you know thinking they were trying something different and it ended up being a DC movie. Um, so it's, I, I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of five. I was uh, pretty disappointed. Yeah. You mentioned things to be, you, you know, sort of complimentary of, or positive of, I, I think even though it does fail and I'm also going to give it a two and a half, but even though it does fail, I think one of the most positive things I can say about this movie is keep going, keep trying to, especially with diversity and representation. Yes, those huge. things obviously that they, they're they're and I think the this movie minimum. succeeds. Yeah, I, but I think this movie succeeds in finally um, start. You know, it's a good yeah. start. It's a yes. good start. You need to keep going. I agree. But I think what Kevin Feige needs to do is he needs to let go even more. He just yeah. needs to say, you know, what we have our flagship you know, characters and storylines and things like that. We are, are well-established now over 10 years. We'll be fine. And if not every movie is critically acclaimed or commercially acclaimed, you can take that hit. And maybe one of those movies will lead to something really interesting that maybe, again, is not box office boffo, but at least it's trying to do something different. And this movie, even though it struggles feels like, okay, this is a beginning to that. And I'm just nervous that it's going to be basically put to an end. And, and I think that would be unfortunate because I think that if you continue to experiment and push and try to do different things, not asking for a Terrence Malick movie, like let's be perfectly clear or a Martin Scorsese Marvel film, just a movie that does into it. I mean, yes, but you'd have to give them complete control and and director's cut and things like that, but that that would never happen. And they just probably are not interested. But if you're going to get up and coming filmmakers or filmmakers that have kind of proven themselves in, you know, the realm of, of indie cinema or, you know, somewhat kind of mid tier commercial movies, you need to let them make their movie. I think Mm -hmm. what I'm most afraid of now is that you could get someone like Phil Lord or Chris Miller who get hired for the next Marvel movie. And then all of a sudden Kevin Feige gets cold feet and decides, I'm not feeling this. And then we get another solo situation. You but know, I hope that's with, not within the, the MCU and not with Star Wars. Because I do think that, you know, that's what, you know, early MCU was. And yeah, as it going into phase three and we kind of it did seem like we're headed in the right direction of giving filmmakers a little bit more freedom. Um, and this I, I don't know, like maybe she did have complete freedom on this. I have no idea, but. Uh, we can't really speculate there, but it does feel like a clash of styles that just I don't think ultimately. Well, to, to your work. point, you just mentioned it. So this movie 
even though it is diverse and it is trying to do something different, I think where it is regressive is that it is very much in line with that first phase of Marvel movies where it was all origin stories. We were getting just origin after origin after origin. And literally we have what you, you mentioned like there are eight or nine eternal characters. So there are at least seven or eight origin stories repeated again and again and again to each one of these characters of yeah. what they've been doing Ten and Eternals, and that's they... not including you know the two human characters that are prominent in the movie yeah kid, and and with, with the falling Harrington out right and, yeah yeah and um i forget uh kumail's uh um uh, chauffeur's name um either way um yeah man a little bit disappointing we might come back and do uh, a spoiler conversation at some point um although i don't know if there's that much to spoil other than the post credit sequences which you know one reveal is pretty random i did have it spoiled i think eric you also had it spoiled mm-hmm. maybe many people i think many people have had it spoiled and then i didn't have the second post credit scene spoiled so there are two stay for both um i am intrigued and want to talk uh about both of those things um but i um we will do that at another time, but uh, thank you all for listening or watching. We really, really do appreciate it. I can't wait to talk more MCU with Eric uh, for Spider-Man uh, and uh, Hawkeye. Even Hawkeye. Yeah. It's coming up. We'll be reviewing uh, most likely those first two episodes uh, of Hawkeye. Um, I don't know if we'll get any more than that, but we will be reviewing those first two episodes at least like we've been doing with some of the other stuff. Uh, yeah, we have Hawkeye. The MCU will keep on rolling. So even, even if this though is a- next year um, there have been some sort of delays, shifts, so yeah, shifts, which yeah. is fine. I think we, you know, I'm open to a little bit of a breather at the beginning of the year, but that that means we'll probably still get Ms. Marvel at the beginning of the year. So like we're not I think from theatrically, we're getting a little bit of a break maybe a half year right after spider-man but um it will keep on trucking over on uh, the disney plus side so um and if you guys want to hear more of our thoughts on you know disney plus stuff um go check out the newest draft of the untitled movie podcast episode 105 i talk about uh the my move as you can kind of see in the background here um i hurt my back uh, I haven't watched oh, any movies really, so it's going to be interesting. I'll catch up with Eric of what he's been up to and what he's been watching because I haven't been watching Jack shit. So I don't know what we're going to talk about because we're about to record or Jack that now, Kirby in this case. We will talk about uh, the Book of Boba Fett trailer, uh, you know, the Lightyear trailer, sticking with the Disney properties and things like that. So go check out episode 105, which you guys can get uh, probably right now on YouTube or your podcast service of choice. Just search for Untitled Movie Podcast or Untitled Movie Reviews, and you will find us on those platforms and conversations, which uh, we did a a little chat on. What did we just do our last one on? Oh, goodness. Um we didn't do a new episode right we did a conversation oh we did uh, dc fandom dc fandom there we go the batman of of probably reason why the shift happened maybe partly due to the batman opening in march that's also uh very very true and we talk about that on that show see there you go uh so go check out uh conversations as well uh as always uh our letterboxd untitled underscore cast see i'm rusty i'm rusty eric i'm very very rusty I'll, i'll get it going probably by the end of like episode 105 you know nine or something i'll get back into this um our letterbox untitled underscore cast you can get all of our social links there all of our ratings um all of our reviews 
um, all that jazz. Uh, so go over there and check that out. As always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And as always, I'm Martin Scorsese. Uh, you can find more of my work at uh, rogerstv.com slash cinema scene uh, and uh, on all the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Got the mad weary for this one. <laughs>